Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is episode 259. And I am super excited to have none other than the polka dot puncher, the minister of media, the maven of media for tier 11. It's so many names. I know. Uh, Angela Ponsford, welcome back to the show for another edition of What's Working Now Inside Tier 11. Hey, thanks for having me back. Excited to be here. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, there's a few things going on, aren't there? Mm-hmm. Not just in the world, but yeah. forget all that stuff. None of that's important. We're here to talk about Facebook ads, I suppose. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nothing ever stays the same on Facebook. And uh, that has certainly been the case the last, oh, I don't know, three months or so. We've seen a lot of changes. Some good, some not so good, then good again, and then not so good again. It's like a mm. roller coaster, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's been it's been crazy. I was just talking to one of our other media buyers before, and Kobe, and he said, "2020 is really testing the expertise of media buyers with all the the volatility that we've been seeing in the platform." Yeah, that is for sure. I, I'm sure he didn't <laughs> throw any f bombs in there at all. None at all. No, he does not have a potty mouth at all. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Kobe, if you're listening, we love you, even in spite of your bad <laughs> language. Got to get him on here. We'd get like a triple explicit rating on perpetual traffic yeah, if we had Kobe on. Could be dangerous. Could be dangerous. Pretty cool. Probably get banned from iTunes. That's all right. There's always Spotify. So there's a lot of stuff going on right now. So we'll start off this month's What's Working Now with some updates from our awesome partner manager, Ben, and the people over at Facebook who are still all working from home including all the policy people, just like we are. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, we got a few updates this week, which were fairly significant, which you're going to see in your ads manager and, and in your Facebook and Instagram experiences here in the coming week. So what's going on there, Ange? Yeah, quite a few updates this week. One of the biggest ones, probably IGTV is going to be having ads at some point this year. Oh, I know. It, you know, it was only a matter of time really before it came in. They're already in beta testing phase right now with some of their advertisers. But yeah, expect to see ad placements available on IGTV sometime later this year. I think it's about time actually, you know? Yes. Because as some of you might have already noticed, if you follow Tier 11 on Instagram, which I highly encourage you to do, Get on over to Instagram and punch in tier 11. We're the only tier uh, numeral 11 that's on Instagram and you'll see the uh, the tier 11 logo. And that's where we add a lot of additional content in addition to the stuff that we do here on the show. So I highly encourage you to follow us on Instagram. You know, we're looking to ramp up our presence there and also give you even more value insider things that we're doing for all the different ways in which we serve customers inside tier 11 and also just a lot of cool stuff about our team and 
all kinds of stuff in there. A lot of things from Ange in there. So at the very least, go there for Angela's content. Yes, come so, there for me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So Tier 11 over on Instagram. But yeah, IGTV has been one that we've been using quite a bit to do more long form videos. And we're always frustrated. We're like, oh, we really should promote this five minute video where I explain a certain concept. And we can't do it right now. Mm, and yeah. this is going to change in the, in the near future, which is going to be great. It's, you know, pro, pros and cons to everything. I know a, a lot of people are saying they, they don't want, they want an ad-free experience, but hey, you know, as marketers, it's um, another placement for us to be able to, to get our content into. So we have to embrace it. Yeah. And I think, think about Facebook and the Facebook ads experience as just a variety of different platforms. And mm. Facebook is constantly looking for more and more inventory, even though we're in the middle of this pandemic and this economic crisis, which it looks like we might possibly could be coming out of at some point in time, still inventory is tight on Facebook. So, and as we've talked about on the show many times, the newsfeed has been sold out a long, long time ago. So mm. Facebook is looking, when I say Facebook, it's like all of their properties. And if you've even seen sort of their logo, it's now the Facebook properties in essence. It's Facebook with Facebook advertising, Instagram advertising, you know, all the other sort of areas in which we place ads on, but they're constantly looking for more and more real estate to place advertising because, you know, their growth is dependent upon the stuff that we talk about every single week here on Perpetual Traffic. And also they're a publicly traded company. So they have to continue to pump out increases in earnings and earnings growth. And that means selling more and more and more advertising, which fortunately for us, you know, the platform is still really effective. It's frustrating at times, which we'll talk about here, but just the fact that they're now allowing advertising, either it's in-stream or actually advertising through, you know, IGTV, it's another way in which you can reach your potential audience. And IGTV, I tend to watch more of when I'm on Instagram. I'm not a huge social media person, but I find the longer form content is far more interesting, at least, you know, for the people that I follow. Yeah, I'm the same. I was having this conversation with someone the other day, like it's IG stories or IGTV that I'm looking at. I, I rarely scroll through the feed anymore on IG. Interesting. And I suspect there's a lot of people similar, you know, doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So be on the lookout for that. So how about some other stuff? There have been lifting some restrictions yeah. on some of those products that people have not been able to advertise on Facebook yes. in the past. Tell us about that. Face masks. So they mm. are, uh, with the whole COVID-19 coming through, hand sanitizer was banned. Face masks were banned from being advertised. So they're lifting the restrictions on non-medical face masks. Mm. So yeah, I, I think that, you know, that's a good thing because there are a lot of smaller, you know, advertisers, smaller, smaller businesses, probably hand making masks, you know, making pretty masks for people. And yet they're going to be allowed to promote them on Facebook. Yeah, that's a big deal. And uh, the mm. hand sanitizer thing, which still really is too bad, but yeah, I don't see that ban being restricted. Google hasn't been able to really figure that one out either because there's no real way to quality control it. And there are a lot of fly by night organizations that are creating hand sanitizer, but a mask is a mask. As long as it's not an N95 mask or like a pure surgical mask, it really seems like that's going to be the sort of the caveat to this this new way in which to advertise stuff for the crisis. Yeah, absolutely. And they, they have put one other kind of caveat on that 
in that you have to have had an ad account or been running something from your ad account in the past uh, 120 days mm. or you have to have had it for at least 120 days. So, again, they're still trying to stop people coming in and trying to, you know, take advantage of the situation. But yeah. if you're, you know, a legitimate business that already had these in your arsenal or you, at, you know, some point over the past three months have started creating them and been selling them, you will be able to um, advertise those soon. I don't have a problem with that one, actually. I mean, mm. I mean, it does eliminate the sort of the profiteering in the moment issue, you know, whether or not you can just, you already have a Facebook ad account that you've had around for quite some time, and then you just add this on as a new campaign. There is, there's plenty of ways to sort of get around this, but I don't really have an issue with this specifically. Totally. I understand what they're trying to do. And for, for Christ's sake, people, wear your face masks, will you? You know, I'm going into public places all the time here in the U.S. I don't know whether it's just Massachusetts or what, but if you can't maintain a safe distance, six to 12 feet, wear a freaking face mask. Right. Get your, mask political, get your mask on for crying out loud. They do it in Australia, don't they? Or mostly. But you guys are just more sport spread out. Not really. <laughs> not really. Yeah, not really. But there's so few cases here, you know. Yeah. The, 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 there's just so few cases over here in Australia. So Yeah, it's uh it's to... crazy. We just cracked two million cases here in the US as of this recording. So wear your face mask for crying mm-hmm. out loud if you're a perpetual. Listen to Ralph. Listener. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. So anyway, as I take the name of the Lord in vain, what else is new? There's a few things coming on with Facebook shopping. Correct. Yep. So the Facebook had that announcement uh, a few weeks ago where they were going to make it easier for e-commerce sellers to sell through Facebook shop. And what uh, another update on top of that is that you're going to be able to create custom audiences from people who have added to car or purchased from within the Facebook shop platform. Mm. I.e. this new update is that people don't have to go to your website to buy. The whole process is going to happen within Facebook shop or IG shopping. Uh, and custom audiences will be available at some point this year from those platforms. Yeah, and that's pretty cool. And I think they see an mm. opportunity here to be able to do this, you know, inside the Facebook app itself. I mean, there are obviously are some restrictions with supplements and some other sorts of things, probably from a liability perspective. But I think that overall, this is a pretty positive move and one that Wall Street certainly, I've noticed, uh, likes a whole lot. There you go. Interesting. Yeah. And we've got one customer right now who is eligible for to get into Facebook shop because they're, they're, ro- they're not rolling it out to everybody just yet. So yeah, we're super keen to go in and just dig around with them and see how it's working. Yeah. It looks like uh, a July potential rollout for this change, but obviously dates like this are always subject to change when it comes to Facebook. And yeah. then they sunsetted a particular type of bidding that we didn't really ever use all that much. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Target cost is being phased out because the overwhelming feedback from the advertisers in the community was that it, it, it just wasn't do it didn't do what it said on the tin. Yeah. And that's absolutely what we had found whenever we had tested target cost. It, it just wasn't it wasn't doing what it was meant to do. And therefore, we have I, I don't know anybody in the agency that has used it probably in the past six months. Yeah, we couldn't either get impressions on it or it just didn't work the way that it was advertised. It's just really yeah. been a disappointment. I mean, ideally, when it came out, we're like, wow, this could be really cool. As with a lot of things that they roll out, they look good to start. We test them a lot of times our first iteration 
we don't really have that great a success. But sometimes in the second or third iteration is when we have that success, and maybe sometimes they just don't work at all. It seems like target cost was one of those things. Yeah, absolutely. So it's going. So if you're using target cost uh, and still have active campaigns in September, then those campaigns would be switched off. So if you are using target cost, go through your campaigns and start transitioning away from it and make sure you're away from it before September. Cool. So overall, like just give us a sense. I mean, you're looking at a lot of media buying every single week, millions and millions of dollars per month. Like what are you seeing right now as of this recording? And this will probably be about a week or so before we actually do release this edition of Perpetual Traffic. So what are you seeing right now? What's the sense? Obviously, there's some challenges. There's some F-bombs being thrown around by Kobe and some of the other media buyers inside tier 11, what's your overall general sense of things? What we're seeing is low buyer intent across the board right now. So people are clearly on social media, they're clicking on ads The you know, in quite a few cases are, you know, our front end metrics, like our click through rates have gone up, but then people are just not, they're not taking that next step and, and buying. So buyer intent definitely seems to be down at the moment, which is been really challenging. Yeah. Across quite a few accounts, we're seeing, you know, reduced conversion rates from that link click to purchase. And yeah, we're just having to, uh, you know, what Kobe was saying, you know, we're sorting the wheat from the chaff right now in terms of media buyers. There's, you know, a lot, a lot more updates having to be made to maintain performance in accounts. So yeah, it's, it's been a challenging, challenging few months. Yeah, to say the least. And this also includes the coronavirus related or anything maybe in direct relation to immunity or other ways in which to cope in this crisis. We're seeing that have low buyer intent or lower buyer intent as well, which is something we talked about about a month or so ago saying, hey, you know, some of these accounts are really exploding, like growing but how long is this going to last? You know, we've got this stimulus bill in the U S like how long are people going to hold out with, you know, practically 15%, probably 20% by the end of uh, the summer unemployment, which is historical records. People don't have as much buying power. So we sort of wondered this, maybe this is the bleeding edge of that. Hard to say at this point, but what's your sense, Ange? So I think, you know, there was obviously the downturn at the beginning of, you know, COVID and then it seemed to be getting better again. And then, you know, we've obviously had the, you know, the global movement, the Black Lives Matter, which again, I really feel has impacted people's, you know, attention span. I think that's the key thing. It's their attention span. And then also, yes, the uncertainty still around when am I going to get back to work? Is my job even going to be be coming back and it's kind of setting in with people now maybe a little bit more panic or conserving their money and really not wanting to be frivolous so i think it could be a, a leading edge of this is where we're going people are really getting back to the reality of life mm. and it's not that great for a lot of people yeah it's not and i think you know i mean here in the us i mean so many so many people a disproportionate amount of people live sort of on that razor's edge. Like they are so dependent on all their bills with very little savings being completely exhausted at the end of the month, which leaves very little savings and sort of emergency funding in case you do lose your job. And then you're more dependent on unemployment checks and government, you know, handouts and and food handouts. Like still here, it's crazy. You look at some of the largest cities, the 
the line for food for just regular working class families is miles and miles long. So to see that as like how much of this buying can continue on this platform unless we have some kind of turnaround or a solution to the crisis right now. So throw in a lot of inattention and some really highly emotionally charged issues on social right now. That's a mix for a lot of changes and a lot of a lot of challenges if you're a media buyer, which we're certainly seeing here at Tier 11. I'm not saying that now is not the time to be advertising. Far from it. The point is, is that this has always been a challenging platform. And if you've been listening to us for upwards of four to five years now, you realize it's things are constantly changing. This is just one more thing that you're going to have to deal with. And obviously... Uh, tuning into this show every single week is certainly going to keep those those skills as sharp as they possibly can be. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Brandley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Yeah, you know, it's just been being aware of what's going on in the world and how that that absolutely does get reflected often in Facebook and social media and, and how ad performance is. So being aware of that and adapting in the moment when you need to. That's a really good point. I mean, Facebook really is a microcosm, even if it's one fifth of the world's population. That's hardly a microcosm. <laughs> totally. <laughs> like, you know, the feel and the sort of emotional level you know, a gauge for the outside world. And there's some uncertainty there and you're going to see it in a platform like this. Still the best platform in the world in which to advertise. And we still have plenty of customers that are really doing extremely well. But the, the point is that it's always going to be a challenge and you're going to have to keep on the, on the you know, keep your, keep your tools really sharp as much as you possibly can, but expect change. That's been the one constant ever since this platform started 10 years ago is change. It constantly does. And it's like gone through so many different iterations, but I think Facebook also understands, yeah, there are a lot of changes going and we're trying to do everything we can to make the advertiser experience and the user experience as top notch as possible. So in that vein, you know, Facebook has been continuously sort of behind the scenes, even though there's a lot of other stuff going on, 
continuing to improve some of the tools that they have inside Ads Manager. So maybe we can talk through a couple of those, you know, what sort of experiences we've had inside Tier 11. One of the really interesting ones and maybe a direct result of a lot of the changes now is we've started to use rules a little bit more as well. Tell us a little bit about that and how that's been effective at at least you know, mitigating downside risk of a lot of these changes and sort of ups and downs of Facebook itself. The rules within Facebook, they've historically been quite difficult to manage. And then also, really, we like having the human eyes in accounts, making sure that everything's uh, running well. But we've been using them a bit more now. Uh, and this is a lot of it is to do with the time zones that our media buyers are in. So, Kobe is a good example. He's based in Israel and he's running an account. One of the main accounts that he's running is actually in Hawaii time. So literally when he's going to his bed later at night, it's still like six, seven o'clock in the morning in the account time. So for a lot of the time that during the day that that account is active, he's sleeping. Now, we do have other media buyers keeping their, you know, their eyes on the account. We're, you know, we're a team that work on, on this this client. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's really using rules effectively for when he's in bed so that he's not overspending, switching things off and then turning them back on again with delayed attribution. And that's really, really helped him to maintain stability throughout the account. And we had a good discussion about it on our team call last week. And yeah, it was a bit of an eye opener for some people we uh, and how he was using it literally just for the the time when he knows he's going to be in bed and this is completely against what Facebook would tell you to do you know and certainly in terms of maintaining stability but it's working Mm. so if you are you know, concerned if you are working with different customers in different time zones, if you're concerned about times when you're not available to be checking in on those accounts, if you're particularly if you're spending higher amounts, then definitely have a look at the Facebook rules and see if there's any way that you can, you know, incorporate them just into your daily, your daily optimization schedule. Yeah. So in this case, Kobe is in Israel. The account is based in Hawaii time and the majority of the spend comes when he's going to sleep and looking at the account. And obviously we have uh, another media buyer on the West Coast that keeps an eye on it while he's sleeping and they sort of exchange back and forth, which works out quite well. So what are the kinds of things that he's doing? Shutting off ads, ad sets, campaigns. Tell the audience a little bit more about that specifically. The rules that he uses are mainly at the ad level. So he has very strict KPIs. It's a CPA based KPI. So he needs to get a specific CPA and he's switching ads off if they're spending over a certain amount with no sales and then also switching them back on again after a certain amount if there's delayed attribution. And he's got a really good system set up there. He does have a couple at the ad set level, but the majority are are literally at the ad level. And that's to really prevent certain ads hogging all the budget not making any sales and then you know he wakes up in the morning and burned through thousands of dollars of a customer's money which never a good thing yeah and these i I love them the fact that they're not they're they're more time-based he set these rules based upon the time when he's sleeping which just so happens to be the time typically in the end of the day where there's the most spend Mm-hmm. which I think a lot of people do rules and shut it off and then turn it back off in 24-hour periods in a lot of cases. So this is an interesting twist on that. And, you know, we, we have a couple of other media buyers who had rules in their accounts. And often 
times the if you have the rules that are set to to run cons- continuously at all times of the day often we find that that just mucks up whatever you're trying to do in the account if you're relying on the rules solely to optimize your your campaigns then there's something not quite right there i would say if you're if you're not able to get in there yourself and make those decisions then you're probably going to not get the best results that you prob- you could so use the rules sparingly, I think is the advice. And really, you know, make sure that you know, you intimately know all the metrics in the account. That's really the big thing. You know, know what your front end metrics should look like. Be super clear on what your KPIs are and then set those rules accordingly. Yeah, yeah. And I think one of the confusions that we had, we've done this, we've tested this a lot. This isn't like the first time. <laughs> this is a tool that we've always wanted to really help us make us more efficient and mitigate downside risk as well as help scale. The rules were kind of at a lot of different levels and there was probably too many of them. And Mm. he kind of simplifies this down. So if you're going to do this in your ad account, just start with ads for rules and maybe just start with one or two rules and see how it goes. Have your KPIs, which is your key performance indicators. In this case, it's CPA, which is cost per acquisition which is very strict for this customer. He has those set very strict, but simple. So I think we run into trouble with rules is we have too many of them and you don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah, and they're notoriously, you know, that they are still not that easy to manage within Facebook. So yeah, that's great advice, Ralph. Keep it as simple as possible. So speaking of simple, one of the things we always discuss here is testing and how we test in that whole sort of evolution of how Facebook has struggled with this, I think, a bit with how to really do testing so that, you know, you end up getting like the perfect ad for the perfect audience. I know all of us were really excited about uh, DCO or dynamic creative, and that's not exactly a great tool. We do use it sometimes. We still do use it, but you know, to get like the ideal test going for 25 different combinations of ads and have them boil it down to the one perfect ad or maybe the two perfect ads. Haven't really seen that happen inside DCO. However, they have started with a new feature for testing. And maybe you can tell us a little bit about that and what our experience with it's been so far. So they have what's now called experiments and that was previously called test and learn. So initially we only we had split tests that were available in Ads Manager and that's where you could you would split test something within the actual Ads Manager platform. Then they introduced test and learn and now they've changed the name to experiments. And we've been using that quite a lot, quite a few accounts. And we have a bit of a theory around running these experiments that they might actually lead to increased stability within the account. Now we, we don't have a, a concrete a concrete test that we've said definitively if you are consistently using or running an experiment in your account that your account will perform better but that's definitely there's a hint of that happening a good thing about experiments so if you've ever used the the previous split test feature once you had run the split test you didn't have an ability to keep running something the winner. So you might say you were testing two different campaigns with different ads in them and you had a, a clear winner. 
there was no way for you to keep running that campaign. You had to, it had to be switched off and then you had to duplicate it and restart it. And I would say probably over 90% of the time, we never, ever were able to replicate those results back in the wild when we were running the campaigns. It was so frustrating. But with these experiments, one, a good feature is that you run them and you can continue to run the campaigns after the experiment has finished and you can use it just, you know, you can use them for simple things. Just to give you an example of some of the things we've been testing with the experiments, we've been testing different landing pages. So, you know, we have two campaigns, same number of ad sets, same ads in each. The only difference with the ads are that the link to the landing page is different. So we've been doing that. We've been testing different cost caps. So for example, an $18 cost cap versus a $15 cost cap and seeing if which ones are giving us the better results. Yeah, there's lots of different things you can do. It's an A-B test for anyone, you know, that that is nerdy or into the maths. It's they're simple A-B tests, mm. but they're they're just have they're just better than the split test feature that you find within the native ads manager platform. So if you when you go into your ads manager, when you click on in the top left, you know, to for the, your drop down menu and scroll down, find experiments, and then you can come in and it gives you options to set up various different tests. Yeah, way cooler. And I think this is another one where people tend to overcomplicate. I know when we first started doing this, I was like, oh, I'm going to test five different variables. Yeah, It doesn't really work that way. So just like with rules, I think simpler is better. Like in your example, it's landing page seven versus landing page five for two separate campaigns. They don't overlap. And if landing yep. page five is just crushing, you can keep that one going you know, once you reach sort of a, you know, they have sort of a threshold for statistical significance and it's far more easy. And yeah, that was a frustrating part with, with test and learn split testing in the past is not being Mm -hmm. able to replicate the results in the wild. I love that. I'm going to start saying that in the wild. In the wild. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Uh, And another really cool thing, a feature that they introduced, I think last month with experiments is that you can do multi-campaign experiments. Now, this, this is super cool and we're, we're still in the testing process with this. So maybe maybe next time I come on, I can talk a little bit more about that. But basically you could have in each, you know, in each cell, Facebook calls them cells, the cells that you're testing, you could have a, a campaign going to level one traffic, which is cold traffic, and then a campaign retargeting. And then you could be testing that against another level one campaign and retargeting. Same thing if you were going to different landing pages, you can keep the retargeting within your test. So that's super cool. That is really, really cool. And just explain to people a little bit further on that, because that's that's a little bit more ninja, but it's in essence simple, but really, really effective. So you can get the entire view of everything, not just for cold traffic, you can get it for the entire funnel all the way through, right? Totally. Yeah. Because it's always been a bit of a frustration, you know, when you run these tests. So you often will run them on level one traffic because that's where there's, you know, more scale and there's more spend. So we can get enough spend through to get a a true test, a statistically significant test. But then it's like, okay, well, 
how do we know which ones are converting? You know, is it if they if they're not converting straight away from seeing the level one campaign and they're converting on the retargeting, then the results just get muddied up and it, it makes it really difficult to to really genuinely test the performance of something. And with having a multi-sale campaign, you can you can keep you know the the flow of traffic in each of the sales. So, you know, I come through, I see a certain landing page and then I'm going to stay within that same test and get retargeted within that test to the sales page. So yeah, it's, it's really cool. We're still trying to figure out, you know, the best way to test it and, and how to get the, you know, decent budgets in there. But yeah, I definitely have something to report on by the next time I come back on. Yeah. that's a writer downer for next time. So you can basically, you can, you can test one entire ad amplifier versus another entire ad mm-hmm. amplifier and see which works. Yep, totally. So if you don't know what the ad amplifier is or the e-commerce ad amplifier, go back to episode 145, which we eventually, I think that was the first episode we ever talked about it. Uh, 145 of perpetual traffic, or you can go back to, we actually did an updated episode on the ad amplifier super system for Facebook ads. That's episode 234 and I'll leave both of those links inside the show notes because uh, that's how we run things at, at Tier 11 is through that entire super system so that we don't completely go out of our minds. Yep. <laughs> For sure. And that's, that's, all, <laughs> that's what it's all about. <laughs> so last but not least, you've got another tool that's an oldie, but now it seems to be even better. Tell us about the attribution tool inside Facebook. Yeah, Facebook attribution. So that's been that's been a bit of a sticking point for us, I must admit, for a while. It's, you know, Facebook introduced this tool to give you more visibility on what was happening with your ads to look at different attribution models, but we've con- we've consistently just been so frustrated with this tool and not really been able to figure out like what really is it telling us? The and Facebook seem have made a big update in this, just with more information. And now it's almost like, oh my goodness, I wish I'd known this six months ago. I could totally have shared this information with a customer. You know, I think we'd we'd find that we weren't really sharing the what we were seeing in attribution with customers because we didn't fully understand it ourselves. We were, you know, we were, you know, in dialogue with Facebook. They even they were looking at it. They were never giving us clear answers on, okay, this is what attribution shows, shows and why is it different from Ads Manager. Now they've really simplified it and and made it so easy to understand. So uh, I I really dug into it last week. We were putting together some internal training for the team. And yeah, there's some cool things in there now that you can look at. What's the big takeaway? What's the big difference if somebody had gone in and and looked at it? Because we originally had talked about this way back Mm. with Andrew Tweedo, which was episode 197. That was back in early 2019 because they were pretty excited about it back then. Like most things, when Facebook does release them, the first couple of iterations aren't quite as good. And it does take, think about it like a software update, you know, version 1.0 ain't that great, but version 9.2 might be the one that really crushes it for you. So what, what's the big difference here? Yeah, so they've put in a, a little, di- it sounds so simple, but like a little diagram of why attribution is different from ads manager. And it makes total sense. And it shows you a, a little diagram uh, of the path of what, you know, someone per- someone's path to purchase could be. And in the example that they have, you know, there's like five different touch points within that path, you know, and two of those are what we call, you know, Facebook 
Facebook systems like Facebook and Instagram mm -hmm. and why in ads manager, if, if, if someone has five touch points and two of them are Facebook, the attribution uh, in, sorry, in ads manager, it will attribute a sale to anything that has had a Facebook owned asset touch point in the sale. So if at any point in the 28 day click one day view attribution that you get in ads manager, someone has clicked or viewed on a Facebook owned property, the attribution will get shown in ads manager. That's different from attribution, whereas in the attribution model, it will take into account all of those touch points and then attribute it, you know, depending on what your model is, first touch, last touch, attribute it to the correct asset, not just the Facebook owned assets. And it's actually, it's so simple when you see it laid out and in, in attribution and they actually have a little explanation of it. We can, you know, put a screenshot or, or screen share and just show people what that looks like. It's so simple. And I'm like, I understand it now. Yeah. What was the reaction? Have you shown this to any of our customers or is this still internal or what's your thoughts on sort of how to validate the, the whole concept of, oh, well, Facebook attribution really isn't accurate. They're just, you know, the view and then the 28 day window. I mean, come on. I really want to know yeah. where I should put my media buying dollars. And it always seems like it's search, you know, or Google shopping or whatever it happens to be like, where, where's the real sort of effective point here where you can say, all right, well, we actually really have a much better idea as to what's going on based upon human behavior. So we, we have a couple of customers who have their attribution set up correctly. And when I say correctly, you know, they, they have it linked with their, they have the pixel link, they have their Google data linked in as well. And so me and the media buyer are currently, you know, we're spending some time looking at it ourselves, making sure we kind of understand it. And then we're going to bring it up on a call with them probably within the next month and, you know, sit down with them, look through it, see where where we think we should be maybe diverting ad spend to various different campaigns or different levels of traffic. And yeah, just opening up a dialogue. But I think previously we, we hadn't even wanted to open that dialogue up because we didn't, we couldn't get a good explanation of why it was so different and, and really how to interpret everything in there. Cause there's a lot of data in there, you know, like this is, it's not for the faint of heart, the digging into attribution, but it's definitely been simplified and you know, encourage you. If you have got it set up, you have to set up, you have a line of business. It's called within your business manager. That's what they, they call you set up that line of business and then you get access into the attribution tool. Yeah, I think this is an exciting update here because I know we have a lot of agencies and a lot of freelancers who listen to this show and are driving performance for customers and are always looking for a way to validate what they're doing and mm -hmm. to explain it in a simple way to customers so that they understand the value of that agency, the value of that freelancer consultant. And Facebook has struggled with this a bit. I mean, they do sort of tend to all things are... And attributed back to Facebook, which is fine because Facebook does play a role in the sale. There's nothing that's they're fudging the data there. But like, if you really want to get specific as to like what was the event that triggered the final sale or the initial first touch, this tool seems to be evolving to help answer those questions. That, that's exactly what's happening. The the you know they, when they introduced it, it was like, oh, is it a competitor to to Google Google Analytics? Gosh, I completely forgot the name there. Google <laughs> Analytics. <laughs> oh yeah, them. <laughs> that that one, and it's 
I know I don't think it replaces Google Analytics by any means, but it it if you're not if you're not using Google Analytics or you've never used Google Analytics before, Facebook attribution is is a is a good alternative for you to even just get started and start looking at the data. Yeah, especially if you live and die by being inside the Facebook Ads Manager and you're not familiar with Google Analytics. There's a lot to look at inside Google Analytics. <laughs> There's so much to look at in there. Yeah, yeah. You almost need you almost need a separate podcast for that entire platform. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, well, this is uh, this is cool. So, I mean, there's there's a lot going on here. Not not anything that's happened since the last time we spoke on perpetual traffic and just business as right. usual. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing changing. Yeah. You know, Facebook just staying the same as always. Yeah. Nothing on the outside world changing either. So. Very cool. Well, this says this has been great, and I hope you guys have enjoyed it. And we'll uh, continue to have Angie on the show here. Obviously, we'll come back in July and talk about the campaign, the full campaign ex- experiments, which I'm really excited to look at. And uh, you know, even though things are challenging right now, guys, I mean, Facebook understands that, and they're trying to improve the platform to help you grow your business faster. And for all the resources that we mentioned here on today's show with Angela, head on over to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. This has been episode 259. And don't forget to uh, follow us on the Instagrams. Right, Ange? We're doing a really cool series right now, meeting the team. So go check out some of the tier 11 team. Yeah. Yeah. We're pretty excited about that one because we're a completely virtual team. Obviously, we do the virtual business podcast together as well, which we're pretty proud of. So check that out on Mm -hmm. iTunes. Shout out to Deacon on that one. We're on episode, I think, 13 this week. Correct. So uh, definitely check that one out. But for sure, check out our Instagram for Tier 11. I'll leave uh, links to that inside the show notes. Ange, thanks for coming on. You brought it once again, the Skazi from Oz. <laughs> and until next month's What's Working Now inside Tier 11... We'll see you on next week's show. See ya. Bye. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.